0: Start, Sooners of Oklahoma, Oklahoma and, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into another episode of The Barry and Mac Show as always, myself Barry Personal trainer, sports performance coach, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are you doing today, D. mac What's going on, B? Uh, if you look behind
1: me, I don't know if they, I don't know if we do video. I know we got do. I put the
0: video up on the last one. It'll okay,
1: be- so if the premium. video he's gonna see. Uh, I got the Dallas the globe thing behind me might be a little foreshadow of where I am now. You know what I'm saying? My echo might look a little different because I might be in a different time zone. (laughs) So I'm excited to be in Dallas, baby. We in Dallas, we made it. Let's cook.
0: I love it, man. And for those of you who don't know, Damien's been on Pacific time for like a year and a half. And every time (laughs) when we got to (laughs) coordinate, You guys don't understand if you're trying to coordinate uh, for within the different time zones. Because I remember the first one, like early podcast we did with Mark Clayton, it was like, "Oh, you said ten o'clock. I thought you meant like ten Central, (laughs) whatever it was." So for for those of you, I know the remote workers out there who got who have offices all over the place. I know they get it. They figure it out. But uh, but awesome stuff. Um, As you guys can see behind me. I'm on location back in the gym, Hunter First and Sheridan, uh, just opened, still doing some changes, got to get the new sign, swing by and talk to me. I'm doing some cool stuff here. Uh, Going to be doing some super exclusive memberships to the gym. You got to go through the interview process. You got to make sure you're a right fit. You can't just go online and sign up. It's a, It's a cool deal. It's very, very exclusive. Uh, but awesome space, and we're adding new stuff every day. I just got a couple plate-loaded uh, machines the other day. Plate-loaded is where it's at. Uh, but DMAC, I uh, want to remind everybody before we hop into that, actually, go check out the, the Twitter or the X, whatever we're calling it, at Barry and Mac SHW. Find DMAC at, at D underscore Mac 13, and find me at at BYSFitness, at letter B-W-I-S-E Fitness. Let's get to some football. Oklahoma. Is playing Iowa State this weekend. The Sooners, DMACC, are 4-0. I just watched the uh, OU OUDNA show last night. Um, it was absolutely fantastic what they were uh, what they were showing in this game, um, in this series. Uh, thought it was an interesting look into Andrell Anthony. Andrell Anthony was on there talking about his time at Oklahoma, what his experience has been thus far. So just Utterly fantastic stuff. Uh, They talked to Miguel Chavis on there. They had some interesting insight into his background, where he came from as a coach. Uh, But DMAC Sooners are going to be kicking it off 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Oklahoma ranked 14th right now. So kind of gently, slowly but surely going up in those polls it's going to be an interesting game. Iowa State historically is a team that has given OU some trouble, but Iowa State this year, they're coming off essentially a touchdown win over Oklahoma State. They had a three point uh loss to Ohio, right? Only scored seven points. uh they were able to uh they, they got defeated by Iowa 20 to 13. and opening game, they won 30 to nine against Northern Iowa. So it's been an Iowa State team like we're not used to seeing. It feels like they've gotten things a little bit more on track. I think everyone knows about the betting scandal and the players betting on their own games and doing the the all the apps and stuff. I think that is probably a bigger dilemma in college football than maybe we realize right now just because of how easy it is uh, for players to do that. But let's get our opening thoughts, DMAC. OU is showing well on defense They only scored 20 points on offense, but they've also had some highlight games where they're running up the score. How do you see this game going this Saturday? Uh, you got a night game in Norman, so the lights are going to be rocking. The fans are going to be there excited. Um, If we had to kind of handicap what we think this game is going to look like, what do you see happening?
1: You know, this is one of those uh, you got to pay your – you got to pay your dues. This is one of those uh, I IOUs. I this is an IOU game, right? Oh, Iowa State has been a thorn in the side of a lot of the players that's still in this program. Uh, Iowa State has been a team since the Baker years. I think they came to Norman and beat us when we had Bacon in 18, 17, right? 17, yeah. So, huh? Yeah, 17. Uh, this is a game you don't take lightly. You don't worry about the name on the front of the jersey. You don't worry about their record and who they beat. Now, I got to tell you. They lost to Ohio. Like when, you know, you're talking to a, 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 a Rudy Pooh fan or just a fan board and they're like, oh, man, they got beat by Ohio. You immediately think Ohio State. Nah, bro, we're talking about the green and gray team from, you know, whatever university.
0: <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> looking at their crazy. logo. So just green and gray. <laughs> <laughs> it's green and gray. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Um, how do you lose to those guys? But, hey, here's the deal. It's a conference game. <laughs> what is that thing? Is that a kitty cat? Are they the it's kitty, kitty cats? Cat. They? <laughs> it's a, it's a, they, tried, they
0: put uh, claws on a kitty cat.
1: Wow. No, um, this is an important game. Uh, this is how you stack wins and build momentum. You really, you know, you watch the film. I remember playing against teams, and you're watching the film, and you're like, dude, their DBs are trash. Like, they can't guard us. But those are the games where those kids are coached up, schemed up, and they're in the proper coverage, and they've schemed you up, and they know what your favorite stuff to do is. And so, you got to go out there and, and put your foot on their throat early. If I had to handicap the game, um, this is a game. I hope the first quarter we let them know that they're not on our level. And then we're up 10, 13 points. We've had a three and out, maybe a turnover. Uh DG's throwing the ball. I, I I liked what I saw last week. He threw the ball a couple times in rhythm deep, which was good, right? He wasn't waiting really late. Uh, But this is a game where we got to make the play when the play is available. Uh, We go up 10, 13 points. I think this is a game we can cruise. We can, and and, and Right, I'm a fan. I can, I'm talking from the lens of a fan or an analyst or whatever you want to call whatever the hell we're doing. I'm not talking from the lens of a player if i had to play in that game bullshit 60 minutes of kicking their ass right it's the first quarter okay we won the first game the second quarter okay we won the second game it's four games we got to win all four games but i ain't that i'm 40 i got some damn pepper and salt and pepper in my beard i get to be a fan so we need to go up 10 to 13 points early um, put them in a position where they know they're not on our level and then come out in the second half and do it again, the first five to seven minutes of the third quarter. And then we can coast through that game. Uh, if you ask me early B, I think, I think we should win by 20 points. This is a game we should win by three scores. Uh, they should not score. Two touchdowns, one touchdown, a couple field goals potentially, but I mean, they have an anemic offense. They don't have a ton of uh, game not- breakers. They don't have touch in those guys that they used to have where they six, oh. five guys who can wash you. That stuff's gone. It's all graduated. We need to kick their ass.
0: Yeah, it's a—it's not a good look for them on offense, man. And even defensively, Oklahoma State figured out a way to do some things. Uh, they ran the ball at times with a little bit of success. And if you've watched OSU play this year, that offense <laughs> not good. They are not good. You know, everybody discusses Iowa State's defensive strategy that they uh, deploy DMAC with kind of that three-down look, basically eight people in coverage. At least that's how they've defended Oklahoma in years past. They've probably changed some subtle things since Levy took over. I'm sure it's not exactly the um kind of the, the marinade that they cooked up for Lincoln Riley that gave him so much trouble uh when he was coaching OU. But it is one of those games where. Yeah, I, I stayed up late the other night and watched the uh, Arizona State game against USC, and Arizona State threw every single trick in the bag that they could uh, put towards USC's way. Double passes, weird formations, putting the the running back back there as the quarterback, just all over the place, anywhere that they could um, scheme USC kind of out of their element or. Um, have a couple things that maybe they saw on film where there were some holes that they could exploit that even if they only got one shot to do it, they were going to be going for it, two-point conversions, uh, things of that nature. And this is an uh, Iowa State team where Matt Campbell is a coach who can play desperate at times, and when he does, they play well, right? That is the 2017 game. 2017 game, they threw caution to the wind. They said, this is our plan. We are going to try and do it to perfection. And they were able to beat a Sooner team that actually jumped out on them early. If I remember, I don't want to say it was 17-0 for a while. And uh, OU was just with the defense. The offense kind of went stagnant for a bit. They were not able to get their footing back. But I want to go to what has been the toughest a uh, piece for OU to get started this year. And I want to talk about it as it relates to Iowa State's front DMAC. And I think you know where I'm going, and that's the run game. Uh, the run yeah. game against a predominantly three-down front, it, to the casual fan watching, that they would say, they only got three-down linemen. Why can't they run the damn football, right? For you, when you see that, should OU... In this game, be able to run the football with more success because of how they they are doing things offensively and because of the run scheme. Or is this a game where you think they might go out there again and and struggle because of the discipline that that Iowa State team has?
1: So two things come to mind immediately. Number one, Iowa State is going to take away our our quick game into the flats. That 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 30 front with with kind of like it's kind of like a cover five behind the 30 front two deep safeties. Uh, those flat defenders are gonna be very clear and they're gonna carry. And then they're gonna have the backers come. It's kind of like robbing the flat from backer because they have the extra guy. They're gonna follow the quarterback's eyes. The flat defenders are gonna be in the flats. If you try to run them off, they'll carry you, but then the backer flows to the side the quarterback's looking. So it, it's not easy to take the flats, and that's why we've struggled. So that part means we better be able to run the damn football, right? If we're able to run the football and we're able to turn that 30 into more of like a 50 where those guys are closer to the line of scrimmage, then we can sneak behind him and throw the ball. But if they're able to stop us with uh, three down linemen and a zero and two, four eyes or five techniques, right? And, and a backer coming up on either side as, as a fourth guy, we're in trouble uh, offensively. All right. The good thing is they don't have a ton of dudes like I mean, they had the backer a couple of years ago who's in, in the NFL now. Uh, obviously, they, they had a safety who's a real good player, kind of like their little all-purpose guy. I forgot his name. They don't have any any household names as of right now. And so what we need to be able to do, Barry, is we need to be able to run off tackle. We need to be able if they're in that. F- four eye our tackle needs to be able to pinch him inside and our sniffer and tight ends need to be able to lead up through the hole and that's the weak area right they've got to have a dude at middle backer who can come in and and, and go inside out on that and then they've got to have one of those safeties robbing hauling ass into the into the b2c gap but i look for us to run a lot of zone read concepts with the uh or really the sniffer coming across the formation and kicking out while we lead through the hole and then of course the gt right if we if we get that guard tackle counter working where we, everybody blocks down and we can kick out on that end, that outside guy. Uh, we, we've got some stuff to do there. The problem is who's going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I I honestly don't know who our best running back is. And I, I've thrown some shade just because at OU, like that's, we, I mean, we've got some of the best running backs of all time. I don't know who our best running back is. I almost am to the point where I'm like, a tie, we need to carry the ball until he's tired. And then when he's not tired, you know, we need to see if Chuck is getting better. Because, um, man, my, my dad always said don't major in the minors. So I'll just leave that there. And, and, uh, my, my man Barnes is, I mean, he, listen, man, it takes you three steps to get into your cut. Like, you know, man, stick your foot in the ground and get a field. He's always chopping. He's always running into somebody and, and man, it sounds shitty to say negative things about players, but I'm just calling what I see. I think Barnes is a guy who needs more seasoning, um, or, or. I'm not going to make any bold statements yet, but he needs more seasoning. He I don't think he's ready to be an alpha. Majors to me is a good change of pace player who can come in and situational plays and, and, and make some things happen because he could he can make some things happen. But I think it's Ty and Chuck. We need a running back for the remainder of the season, Barry. The guys who watch film right now are laughing. They're gig- they're not even laughing, they're giggling. They're literally he 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 they're giggling because they're like they're running games trash, which means it's more pressure on Dylan. And we both know how you and I feel about Dylan having a ton of pressure. That's not his strong suit. So running off tackles, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see that that guard tackle counter, uh, some types of uh, variations of it and then boots off of it. Right. If we can have. Any type of success. I've said it for three weeks now. Dylan's a guy. If you get him in a half roll, you give him a two way option where he has the ability to go get six, seven eight yards on the edge of the defense, that he can make plays happen. And we've started to see it a little more the last two weeks after I, I think SMU was the game. I was really pissed off that we didn't see any of it. Tulsa, you saw some. Cincinnati, we saw some. Uh, but running the ball is the key for the season. If we can run the football, we can beat Texas. If we can't run the football, next week's not going to be a fun week to do the pot.
0: Man, I you know, the Texas game, I've said it on here and I've said it on Twitter. It, it scares me a little bit, particularly with OU's offense. I actually think the defense is going to be able yep. to hang, man. The more I have dug into the defense and a little less about scheme, but what players are doing individually yep. to create success for themselves. Here here are a couple things to highlight. One. The tackling technique is is not just slightly better, Mac. It is leaps and bounds better. I think Peyton Bowen is probably the best open field tackler on the team. I, pause,
1: I th- pause, pause. I said that week one.
0: Oh, that's I right. Said, you did say that. That's that right. You did say one. that. I forgot about that. You did say that. And the more you dive into it, he is so good at... So that there was a tackle that he had that I posted on Twitter where he actually slows down to create a better angle for himself which you've talked about that and one of the reasons why you guys in the early 2000s were so good at tackling was like sometimes you need to play the game with a little bit of pace you know so it looked oh you coached that speed d thing for so long move as fast as you can that actually is not always the best option Sometimes you need to slow it down, get your head on the right side, make sure that your approach is good. You're not just diving. You're not getting there too early, and then you're just running out of bounds. So it it was a fantastic tackle. If you haven't seen it, post it on Twitter. Uh, Some of the things that Stutzman is doing that I I know you were slightly critical of the backers, but at the end of the day, they, they played well to the tune of a team scoring six points, right? So... What, that is the Oklahoma standard of expectation at that position. Exactly. They actually talked about that. Um, it's not exactly. – yeah, it's totally different than – and it's good that OU is in that spot defensively right now. You're a third of the way through the season. You haven't had a K-State game yet, right, like like last season. And the backers, the the criticism is you made 95% of the plays that were there. You didn't make 100 So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so that I I want I want to get your thoughts on this because I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Um, Iowa State's had an anemic offense, right? Stutzman has has played really well. Dason McCullough is going to be probably another week uh, of just being healthy feeling better there were a lot of good things that he showed and I think some of his errors are very correctable mental things more so than they are the physical yes he's going to struggle in space at times but that's where you can roll out different packages and the defensive line has gotten a little better talk about that kind of carry that point a little further
1: yeah I think it's important to make mention to the fact that it's all relative right we're talking about Stutzman and the level of greatness like last year, we were talking about Stutzman as like, is he going to be a guy on the t- serviceable addition to the team, mm-hmm. right? You always want to be operating from a growth mindset. Stutzman is playing all-conference, borderline, all-American caliber backer right now. And and it, it, anyone who says otherwise is is lying to themselves. The numbers support it, the impact plays support it, what he means to the defense intangibly support that, right? I, however, am going to always critique him versus his best, right? And so I think it's important to make make it very clear to people that like, you know, <laughs> the level of critique is different based upon the situation and the player, right? This, the, the stuntsman we're talking about right now is versus the very best backers in America. And damn it, he wants to be the best. I guarantee you he didn't grade out 100. I guarantee you there's things he went into practice with this week where coach said hey watch this right hey pay attention to that and we want to see him continue to play that level if not ascend more right that's the difference between good and great good good people have a good game and they're satisfied great people always are are analyzing where they can improve the other backers uh, i don't have confirmation on whether or not canic's going to play so it'll be interesting to see based upon what happened to him last week if kip or DeSan will be flanking uh, Stutz. Both are great options. Uh, uh, DeSan, is, uh, I feel a little more comfortable with Kit playing all levels of the defense just because he's more fluid and comfortable going out of his hips into a 45 to cover the hole, to sink underneath a curl, right, to, to kind of jump into the hole by, uh, where a dig might be going 12 yards versus DeSan. He's he going to get you about three to four yards, and then he, he, you know he's looking to attack the football. So yeah. whoever that is, flanking, uh, Stutz, if Kanick doesn't play, will be something that I'm paying close attention to. I also, we didn't speak about this much, B, but I also noticed McKenzie came in at the end of the Cincinnati game. Yeah, And again, he was really good plugging the A gap and the B gap. Uh, he was shutting down that running game in the fourth quarter. It'll be interesting to see if he's carving out more of a niche of himself again, can out. Right. So it's kind of like they may have uh, a McKenzie in on early downs. They may have Kip in on, on third down. They may have Dayson at will. They may have day at, at cheetah. Uh, be interesting to see if Reggie's back. Cause I think Reggie could play some cheetah. You got, you got key key has come in and is probably the last two or three oh, weeks. The best, if not top two safety uh, on the team, by the way, Who kept saying, it'll be interesting if we see Kip 2021 or Kip 2022. Everybody was throwing, uh, not Kip, key. Everybody was throwing key under the bus. And I was just like, guys, there's film from 2021 that show he's a damn good player. He had a bad season. He's not a bad player. So lots of moving parts, Barry. Um, I'm looking forward to see if our D-line in a 40 front, four down, can get pressure or consistently stuff the run with just the 42 front with the four, the four down and the two backers, right? If, if they and or Reggie, whoever that cheat is, is able to able to float at about 12 yards, eight yards and rob everywhere. They're going to be in a ton of trouble. Uh, yeah, it won't matter. Oh, go, Let go, me go, say go. this and that's back to you. Oh, yeah, it won't. Make, this is a year and this is where sooner nation. I want you guys to, to, to appreciate this, to, to literally to kind of relish this, this is a year where if the offense isn't killing it, we can still win by double digits. And we haven't had that. I don't know since oh I don't even think Sam's years most more. I mean, one of his years, the 0-9 defense, I 09 believe. Was was
0: really straight, but you didn't have Sam. Right.
1: Well, and then he got hurt week one, right? Yeah. But, but like quarter one. He got hurt like like uh like uh oh, bro. I'll never forget it. Blitz off the backside, I eight. Mean, blitz off the backside, week side, I think off the right side and 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 Killed him. But it's good to know we have a defense that's formable. And you're right. We'll get to Texas. The defense can have a say around what happens with the Texas game this year, much more so than it did last year because there's no glaring weaknesses. Coming into this Saturday, 6 p.m. If we win 27 to 3, I'm okay with that. If we win 20, 20, 27 to to 9, they score a touchdown and try to go for two and then they end up kicking a field goal or something, whatever. Like that's a team that you can win those hard games with. That's a team that beats Baylor the last couple of years. That's a team that does not lose to K state because they have a sound defense. So watching the front four, can the 42, which is just the backers and the four down um, be, you know, create chaos. And then of course our secondary, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't give up the big play. Don't let a 15 yarder turn into a touchdown and tackle well in space.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I'll say this on Canic, you know, based on what was going on with him and what I've heard, it would be and knowing the way OU treats kind of their, the way their sports medicine department, and their doctors work, I would be highly, highly doubtful he sees any action. I think they're going to put him probably two weeks away from that situation. I could be wrong and they could say it was a fluke thing that it was it was a hit it was whatever it was and he'll be out there also say this about key there was a couple plays that i saw and then i kind of harkened back and went back and watched some of the tcu game he is healthy this year that Ah. really impacted his game a season ago all right there's a certain ou player the rumors are it's a hamstring issue Hamstring issues for guys that are fast and rely on speed and explosiveness. It is such a critical piece to being fast. And it is so hard to get over that injury because your hamstring is such a a vital mover. It's such a vital piece when you run that there's no way to run full speed on a regular basis, right? So you either try to get it healthy and you're never running full speed or you're running full speed and it never fully gets healthy. So the only thing that works is time away for it to get fully healthy and then slowly progressing back to running full speed. Right There's no, that there's not some magical touch with an injury like that, anything around the hip. So quad, hammy, glute, Um, Even if you have some ankle stuff going on, probably a little less impactful, but it's still you can tape that up and make it pretty rigid. But even that will affect your movement. The interception that he had, he was parallel to the line of scrimmage and turns his hips and reacts so well and explodes to the ball, where by the time he was there, he was basically just waiting on the ball to get to the sideline, right? Uh, A year ago, he either, and, and even possibly 2021, he reacts late and is still close, but he probably ends up going out of bounds and doesn't pick off the ball. These are small details that, that really impact the game. And I talked about it over there on the site, uh, but I, I think Key has really, really upped his profile um, th- this season. I think in that game, he was arguably the best defensive back in the entire game. I think it wasn't even uh wasn't even close in, in some regard. Um, want to talk about Dylan Gabriel just against this team. What you you kind of touched on it a little bit with how Iowa State is going to play defense. What areas of the game, let's assume the the run game is going well, DMAC. Let's assume that what Levy schemes up is is working and OU is able to maybe it's nothing crazy. Maybe it's five and a half. Yards of carry, right? But it's solid. What areas of the field are is DG going to have to be able to attack? And and receiver wise, does. The way Iowa State defends, does it change the way receivers um, are going to going to look at their routes and maybe how they need to uh, be on the same page with the quarterback? Are there going to be more opportunities for scramble drills where a DG is maybe working outside the pocket a little bit? And and is that stuff that OU is thinking about schematically as they go into the game?
1: So a couple of things. Um, they play that big cover three. They do everything in their power to not let you get behind them down the sideline, right? Now, we've got receivers, where we can still chunk it up and say, go get it. If you've got Anderson, Anthony, Gibbs, right, those guys can can go up and get it one-v-one. And so I do imagine we're still going to take a couple shots. Generally, we have not taken shots down the sidelines against Iowa State. We've done it through the middle of the field because they've got those safeties. They're kind of like cheetahs that are robbing. And if you catch the right safety robbing and you run from the other side of the formation behind the robbing safety, it doesn't matter if you got a high safety. The receiver's running away from them. You can't get them in the quarterback. That was and that's how it in 18, Hollywood. Mims had a big play when we won 21-7 two years ago, um, but, but it's, 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 a, it's a cover three beater, right? Um, and they're not playing a true cover three where you would generally just run up the seams. They've got guys at 8 to 12 that can cover those up, so you really can't beat them there. Here's what we've got to be able to do. Number one, we got to be able to run the ball because we want those safeties robbing or, or you know, bananaing it, right? Because when you do some type of um, off tackle and then you boot and or RPO off of it and you've got the, the, the bang eight. Which is a receiver's running right behind that backer, and you hit them. It's 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 a seed. It's not a it's not a lofted throw. It's a seed. That's how you catch those guys slipping, and you get them out of that coverage. Doesn't work unless you can run the ball. If they can stop us with their th- their three down, and their four overhang type guys, we're in trouble because they're going to stay in that shell. They're going to have two guys outside. They're going to keep two safeties. And They're going to have a kind of like a joker guy who's going to have a whole bunch of different jobs to confuse the quarterback. And, and Dylan Gabriel is going to struggle. If we can run the ball, we're okay. Action off of it, we need to be hitting the 12-yard in-cut, the 12-yard slant on a seed, right, and some misdirection stuff. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be in good shape. Dylan, Dylan is a guy who, if the pieces around him, the supporting pieces are – getting the job done either by sheer talent or by, you know, you know who needs to get some credit and and people talk a ton of crap about him. uh, And I have. (laughs) Levy's been doing better since SMU. The game Um, plans have made sense to me. I see the game plan. We don't always execute it perfectly. Every play isn't amazing. He's had some bad. He had some bad drives against Cincinnati. What the hell was he thinking, right? But he also watched more film than all of us. And he's got, you know, data and and percentages of what could potentially happen. And sometimes he doesn't go in the right direction. But the schemes have been good since SMU, Tulsa, and Cincinnati. I saw some really good stuff that put us in position to be successful. So Dylan's going to need his OC to make it happen. Dylan's going to need the running backs. Like you said, to average four and a half, four and a half or plus per carry is probably what we need for their defense to have to say, okay, we've got to make some changes and, and and get guys closer to the line of scrimmage. If we're not averaging four yards of carry. And if, if, if uh Levy is not having a great game in terms of scheming, scheming things up and we've got to put it on Dylan, I think Dylan struggles. And by the way, is it okay for me to say this right now? I might ruffle some feathers here. I've been hearing all these internet chirpings about if you think Dylan versus Jackson is this, you don't know football. Like how dare you tell somebody who played football at the college level versus a guy who has never played football, who knows football? Like let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Are you serious right now, bro? Like because we play in a terrible league this year who don't have good quarterbacks and don't have good offenses. All of a sudden we take our standard out of you and say, we want, the very best for our positional players. That's not the way this works. It just so happens we're in a year where the talent is down, most of the teams are down, and we have a phenomenal defensive head coach who has turned around the culture on defense very quickly. That doesn't mean like all of a sudden Paul Thompson's as good as Baker Mayfield. That doesn't mean all of a sudden like Trevor Knight is as good as Sam Bradford. Like our quarterback's our quarterback. I said it last week. We support him. He's he's played better still do he still he still gave away two walk-in touchdowns that if we score those touchdowns the Cincinnati game is totally different and and it didn't happen so you know I just I hear things and people saying making statements like bold statements Ooh, if you say this you don't know football okay that's cute right like I think I know a thing or three about the game and about playing with I just happen to play with Josh Heupel and then with the same crew of talent, we had Nate Hibble. And guess what happened when we switched quarterbacks? What? All of a sudden, Jason White came in, the offense got phenomenal. And then guess what happened when Jason Jason got hurt against Nebraska? All of a sudden, we leaned on our defense again.
0: So, so the, you know what I'm saying? I want to ask you about that. That's an interesting point. So, like, in practice, the way well, – what really elevated Nate? Because it seemed like you guys knew, like, Jason's got the arm, right? It seems like you guys knew that, and he could move but yeah. he wasn't necessarily the starter early on. And I think fans a lot of times just don't understand um, maybe what all is going into that decision and all the dynamics. Uh, it doesn't have to be be kind of long, but I'm just curious because fans see this deal and they say, okay, well, Jackson is more talented. Why isn't he starting? How did Nate elevate himself in that? Well, number one, Nate and, and J-Dub were close.
1: J Dub was coming off an injury. Nate was the backup all year to hype in every coach's meeting and every QB meeting and every OC meeting. So there was a level of trust, right? Coach Long knew that Nate sat next to hype for two years. J dub kind of when he got hurt, we didn't see him for a while. Like it's kind of like when I got hurt. When I got hurt, I, I I was not in the football building the rest of the season. I was dealing with my, you know, my, my concussions and such. Yeah. But the, the other piece was this. Nate knew how to do what he needed to do. We, we talked about this in the pod. If we're running ace flip 96 Z post, it's a, it's a levels route. It's a zone beater. You're running at three different depths in one third of the field. You're running an out, a curl and a post, right? You are putting two defenders, stressing them against three receivers, and you're forcing a backer to fly to the flats where well, we can find the hole. Nate knew if we're in clean zone, how to just take the curl. Or if the backer sank, how to just take the out, right? Nate's going to take the easy money. You know, what, you know what j-dub's doing j-dub's peeking to see if that safety's dropping j-dub is going to peak that extra half second because if that safety's feet is on at 12 and he's not getting out his feet he's throwing the post he's just going to throw it over his head and curtis fagan or antoine savage one of those guys are going to catch the post right and guess what he learned that from hype so nate was a guy who the coaches say we trust him he's been in the room more he's not the better athlete he if j-dub's arms are nine uh, Nate's is an eight point two. Nate, Nate, Nate's balls were twice as fast as Hype's, and J dubs just had a little bit more sauce on it, right? But you didn't lose much. By the way, Nate's a four seven four guy running in a straight line. Nate's a four seven four guy. He's not. He's not a four nine or five. Have a lot of wiggle, J- hand, but yeah, he, has some he had some. No yeah. He had no wiggle. J- he uh, had uh, no. uh Nate had no wiggle. Yeah. But yeah. Jay Forbes six, four, six, of and he got wiggle. Right. So it's, it's two different levels, but yeah, there's a, I mean, I get why Dylan has to start. You can't trust Jackson. He's a, he's a pup. And these are the bullets that are flying that are going to dictate whether or not BV is revered or on the hot seat, whatever. Right. There's a lot of left to be played. That doesn't mean we can't tell everybody what we see with our own eyes. That doesn't mean it's not apparent to everyone, the talent level and disparity. We got to win seven more games, eight more games because our schedule says they're on the schedule. But we can also assess and see very clearly. Right. We run a a shovel concept with Dylan. And Anthony gets blown up and, and Dylan throws the ball backwards. We, we run a QB lead and, and Majors misses the block, but Dylan fumbles the ball. You know what I tell myself? That's what a freshman would do. So if he's more talented, he's got a higher ceiling, he's competitive, and he's played enough and made some damn good throws, it, it's not irrational for fans or people who analyze the sport to say, who knows what could happen? Now, the idiot who says Dylan sucks and, and we don't have a chance, okay, I got you there, but to say like anyone who thinks Jackson should be the starter doesn't know football or blah 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 blah. Like, dude, you know what I'm saying? What did what the, uh, the what did the what did the Oregon coach say? Uh, Dion's here for clicks. We're here to get dubs. You know what I'm saying? Like we ain't trying to get clicks, man. We tell we we call them football, man. We see what we we see what we see. This ain't just about clicks, right? This is about telling the truth. And I think a lot of the soon. By the way, somebody's not going to like that. Somebody's going to probably oh Mackie blah blah. blah. I'm sorry, I'm not here to 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 coddle your feelings. You know what I'm saying? But I also know there's a ton of fans who also respect that. Dylan's our guy for now. We got to rock with him. He has his limitations. Jackson's up next. I just would hope Jackson gets more opportunity going into the SEC next season with a down big 12. I think he could gain some confidence. We keep winning. We got to roll what we got, but mm-hmm. it still is what it is.
0: Yeah, it's just I, I've touched on it b- before, but it's just a, a very black and white objective way of looking at the sport position by position. You have certain athletes that are able to do X, Y and Z and the others are not. And these aren't even things that are necessarily going to develop later on, right? A lot of these things are, you have capped out what your ceiling is. You um, So your genetic potential for your position at your age with your given background and skill set has been maximized. And, and I think Dylan is at that point where he's pretty close to a finished product Right, your your biggest development, and there's a a lot of research to back it up, is freshman sophomore season as a college athlete. Right, there's also some stuff if you're in a good program in high school as a 17, 18 year old, you can see a lot. But your jump as a especially with how they get there in the spring now, so they have a real time to acclimate themselves. What what that summer does for a guy who got there in the spring. Really elevates that jump, but it is that next spring and summer where you get the the big leaps, and then after that, you know what happens, Dmac. Guys tend to taper off. You're here yeah. until you're kind of here, and then you might have, you know, maybe your bench goes up a little bit. Maybe you you shave a, a couple tenths of a second off your time because your start gets better. You're a little stronger, so you got a little more powerful uh, get off. But it, it's just a a very black and white view of looking at sports and and when you're saying that somebody has a certain talent or skill set it isn't to disparage the other player it is just being honest um big broad picture d this is something i was just thinking about last year time management game management was a something that and of course sort of situational football was a big criticism of BV. How would you grade him so far this year? Situational football, time management, those kind of things.
1: Improving um, on a scale, you know, a sliding scale. I think we're, we're we're heading in the right direction. I think offensively we still play on pins and needles too much. Um, I think we've been much more aware about when to play with a ton of pace and then we're going to slow it down a little. We've, I think we've given Lebby some graces this year where, okay, okay, they're, 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 they're muddle huddling, that the clock's going down to 12, 10, 8-ish kind of a thing. And, and I think that's a step in the right direction. But I want to say SMU, there were times where we were, we had three possessions in a row where it was a three and out or a really fast possession. And yet we still didn't slow down and kind of get our bearings um, to improve. I would say game management, Coach is hanging his hat on defense, and I think the fans are going to start learning that we're going to be a little more conservative on offense because we do have a defense that's worth uh being a little more conservative on offense and risking a little bit more on the plate of the defense. Remember what Reggie said, Reggie was like in the SMU game, we never thought there was not one time we felt like we weren't gonna win, and, and I think that attitude has kind of transcended and onto that side of the ball. Uh, but as the CEO. And the decision maker, it looks to me like a coach has learned from some of the mistakes of last year and has probably been coached up. Uh, he's probably I bet he called, we talked about this. I bet he called Bob. I bet he called uh, your boy down there in uh, South Carolina at uh, Clemson. and yeah. got some feedback from those guys. Um, I saw I saw uh, Mangino around a ton in the offseason. Mangino was hanging around the program a ton. Um,
0: was he really? We got I, 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 I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, you know what's crazy is he's not the coach that coached me. Like he's so nice. Team,
0: what's
1: going on? Give me a hug. I was like, bro, that, that was not how you talk to us when you are a coach. Coach That's Mangino was it. a dog. I'm just here to tell you, Coach Mangino was a dog. I mean, clearly, he's some stuff has come out. So um, improving, I think at the end of the years, where I will give him a final grade because who knows if another Okie State. Manifest where we literally give them mathematical chances they didn't deserve. If we just run, if we just take a knee, I think we limit two additional possessions we gave them in that game. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what, what, what happens. And then the other thing is we haven't had any real adversity. I mean, think about it. Our biggest adversity was SMU. I think we were, we were up a a touchdown or maybe 10 with the ball. So it was like they scored and we were still up, Right, we weren't down, or it wasn't a tight game. And then, of course, Farouk goes on to score the, the kind of like the, the backbreaker. Texas is gonna Texas is gonna let us know. I, I anticipate that game to be a close game, and and I think there's some areas they clearly have advantages over us thus far. Saturday will kind of tomorrow will let us know if we've if we've improved in those spots running the football. Uh, we've been pretty good at protecting quarterback, but mainly running the football and explosive plays to the run. Versus their front that, That's going to be a space I think we clearly Are are deficient um, If you made me give a grade B minus, C plus It's nothing, it's nothing great But it's definitely improving What about you? What do you think?
0: I, I think it's been better I don't think OU Has been pressed Just yet I don't think they've been Pressed enough Texas is going to be Interesting Um, And honestly, man, Iowa State, just by the way they defend, is going to be interesting a little bit. It's different than what they've seen so far um, uh, in the schedule. Uh, I think Cincinnati had better players at a lot of positions, particularly on the defensive line. I think that Iowa State is going to play better as a unit. And I think that is going to be uh, kind of what OU has to deal with. It's going to be a disciplined team. It is every single season. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we'll really know until until he he's pressed. It has seemed it seemed to me that Dylan also has a, a little bit better control on the pace of the offense. Now it feels like he's he's a little bit um, kind of more mindful of the play clock. Uh, I've noticed that kind of piece about his game, especially at the end, whether or not that's Levy in his ear kind of reminding him and Levy and BV being better. Who knows? But but I want to give Dylan some credit there. I agree. A lot of interesting games, DMAC, this week. And one game I want to ask about and I wanted to get your take. uh, We'll we'll touch on USC, Colorado, because I think people are going to want to hear the the thoughts on that. Kansas and Texas, 230 on ABC. I'll be honest, I've actually watched quite a bit of Kansas this year. Uh, they got a couple guys on the defensive line. Uh, they still got Kobe Bryant back there, um, who's do- doing some stuff in the in the secondary. Um, he's he's a pretty solid player. Um and their quarterback is, I mean, if he's not the best in the Big 12, it's a it's an argument in the top one through three. But actually, I think he's the best in the Big 12. He makes throws on the run, he's great with his feet, he's super mobile. I don't know. I actually think he's the best, and it's probably a good step down before you get to number two. But Kansas is 24th, un- unbeaten. Texas ranked fifth in the country, DMAC, also unbeaten. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's going to be 230 on ABC. What do you think this game is going to look like, man? Do you think this is a is a barn burner where it goes for 40 with both teams, or does a, uh, does Texas hold down and handle Kansas a little bit?
1: Texas could lose. Kansas has dynamic skill players. Obviously, catalyst. The catalyst is the quarterback. When you've got a quarterback who, who can beat you with his arms, his leg, and his mind, he can and, and 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 he can do it all three. It stresses the defense. It 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 multiplies that when he can beat you with his feet uh, like a running back. Right. And so probably not a wide receiver. He's not going to Michael Vick and beat everybody to the corner. Texas has some dudes who can run, but a running back, he can go get you 12. He can make a backer, make some missing space. He can go take a 30 yarder to the house. Right. Uh, You you know, Texas is the type of team who gets lucky and there's some some crazy injury, barring some crazy injury. KU is going to be up for the game. They're 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 going to be up for the game and and uh, you know I, I like I like the Q I feel like he's getting better. Uh, what's the kid's name at Texas? What's his name? Uh, Quinn
0: Ewers, a quarterback. Yeah, what's his name? He looks good, Quinn Ewers. Yeah,
1: Quinn. Listen, remember at the beginning of the year I said he's a better athlete than Dylan, and we got all this flack. Do you see him take that ball thirty yards down the sideline and, and 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 was picking up speed? <laughs> um, but but he's not going to make the defense change their approach. Mm -hmm. If, if KU secondary holds up KU can make the game close that the game is going to boil down to two things. If KU can stop the run with seven and if KU secondary, they're going to give up some big plays. Texas has formidable receivers, but if they're not just getting like pre-snap beat, they know that there's a weak link and they can run by him continually or on third down, they can then cut the kid or whatever. KU can compete. I do think the game is in the 30s. I think it's a 31-37 Texas win. It's a 34-33 KU win. Uh KU can win this game. If the game was in Lawrence, by the way, by the way, by the way. I think Texas's record against KU last five years is like three and two. <laughs>
0: Woo! <laughs> My man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, this is awesome. KU.
1: So they, we, we might be leaving this week in 500. I actually want Texas to win just Agreed. because it's the week before. And I think Texas beating KU gives us the ability to have an, a loss somewhere and still be where we need to be. I I, I don't I don't mind a Texas win Saturday. Um, however, a KU win is cool too. I never mind seeing Texas lose. But strategically, if KU has a loss, the likelihood of them losing to someone else is is high and if we potentially lose to texas right then it, it it keeps us in a better position so um give me texas 37 31 but a fun game to watch
0: yeah i, I think i'm right there with you man i i see this thing maybe getting into the 40s i, I don't know about texas's defense just yet and I think Kansas is going to be um, be an issue. BYU looks solid, man. I think that was a good win for Kansas. I think that was a solid win. I think they're going to be, that game uh, against Oklahoma late in the year, that is going to be interesting. BYU is just, that they're who you think BYU is. Disciplined team, not a bunch of crazy athletes. They kind of feel a lot like K-State. Like if K-State yep. was a bunch of Mormons, yep. then there you go. Uh, so, want to touch, uh, I know the, the pregame pod gives us a little more chance to talk on uh, kind of outside college football, outside the, the OU scope. Southern Cal in Colorado. We didn't talk last week on the postgame pod about this game because there was so much to discuss uh, with OU's victory against Cincinnati. Dion took a pretty big punch when he played Oregon. The The pregame speech from Dan Lanning has been played numerous times at this point. It is etched into the minds of Oregon fans. They're using it as uh, kind of a marketing thing. There, it's on all, all their social media. They're playing it up because it was a cool moment. It was a, it was a really great speech. Actually, I was fired up, man. I was ready to go. Dion, on the other hand, said, "If you're going to get me, this is the time to get me." Because he was very, he said, "This is the worst we're going to be." He said, we don't even have any dogs on the offensive and defensive line yet. Just wait, said similar Jackson State. The talent wasn't the same in terms of team to team, right? They they were able to acquire. You can have probably skill guys have more of an impact at that level. It's a little different in big time college football when Oregon's rolling some big timers out there on the defensive line and landing's a good defensive coach. What, What did you think about that game? And then. I want to touch on this USC-Colorado game. USC, I'll tell you, I think Shador, if if he is able to get time, could throw for 450 against USC. I think it is entirely possible. the The issue is their offensive line is so bad, and it's not that USC is good on defense, but they are decent at getting pressure on the quarterbacks, and they got yeah. a few guys. That transfer from Georgia... Yeah. Uh, Mason Cobb, who played at OSU, is a disciplined, heady player. USC isn't taking the discipline growth approach with their team. They are taking this almost transfer portal plug-and-play thing where we're going to go get a guy who's been in a development program like OSU, like Georgia, right? And we're going to put like K-State, right? A lot of their transfers are from very similar programs, it feels, where the development's been done there. They come to USC. All right, Mason, you're you're the mic. You're starting game. <laughs> part, ready to go. Uh, so, so USC, a little different approach to defense. Uh, how do you see this game going? It's going to be a noon kickoff on Fox. So what does that mean? They're playing at 10 o'clock in Colorado. That's going to be an early game, man. They're gonna be up at six in the morning. Uh, how do you see this thing going with USC and uh and Dion's and team? He said a
1: different that's called a shitty defense. It's not called a different style of defense. It's called <laughs> a shitty <laughs> 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 two different fan bases. Oh one God. fan base is happy to see you go, and the other one is man, they are they are they got the pitchforks out for your boy Grinch. But anyway, hey man, Colorado versus uh, uh, uh um Oregon and better team one. We've said, you know, everyone knows football is a game one in the trenches. Oregon said, we ain't letting Shudder beat us. We're going to put six on five. We're going to put five on five. We're going to bring, you know, uh, pressure from, from different areas. And we're going to, he's the brain trust, right? If you can disrupt the brain trust, nothing else can go. Great game plan, uh, which I wouldn't expect anything less from a coach like Lanning. He just wanted to put it to bed quickly, and he did. Um I'm not very confident in the game versus SC either, because USC's weakness is also USC's defense's weakness is also Colorado's offensive weakness, which is running the ball. And USC's defensive strength is also Colorado's offensive weakness, which is protecting the quarterback. You're right. USC has three or four guys who on any given down can win one V one. Um, and and when they pin their backs, go get the quarterback. I think USC is going to do the same thing Oregon did and say screw the little the little jitterbug running back might break one or two. He might because because USC is not disciplined like Oregon was. So I would be surprised if the little jitterbug running back from CU scored a touchdown or two. But it's not going to deter or stop SC from bringing constant waves of constant waves at Shador because they understand if you give him confidence, then all of a sudden those receivers come into play and without. Traver Hunting, then they don't have their go to guy who can just go win 1v1 when it matters. So I think I'd listen. And then, of course, Lynx, you know, Lynx trying to get his quarterback. The the Heisman two years in a row. I think he wants to have that under his belt. Caleb probably is the front runner right now, just based upon how he played. This will be a great opportunity for them to have the national eye, for them to have a ton to, a, a ton of people talking about the game. And I bet Caleb probably is accounts for six TDs. He's the best player in college football, and it's not even close. Like he's literally, he, I mean, you know, he's he's Patrick Mahomes uh, at the college level, probably a better athlete. So a lot to a little man I, they're playing an SC they're playing an SC or colorado they are playing in colorado i still think they lose by four touchdowns
0: yeah i i think this thing's probably like a 56 28 56 24 kind of kind of game will work it probably will be similar to um I mean, remember when OU used to play tech and especially that year baker was- <laughs> Um oh, it, was like, it was like 42 24 or something of that. I mean, maybe oh you got 60 in that game. I don't remember. It was like 60 to 40. We could yeah. not stop Patrick Mahomes. That was Patrick that's Mahomes a, by the way. That's right. Yeah, 16. 16. Yeah. So and that I was know. when
1: uh, Mixon scored like five tugs. He he had a one-handed catch on a he just he ran down the field and just sticks his hand out and catches a fade and yeah, crazy game.
0: Yeah, I I see it probably probably going that direction. I want to ask, man, who do you, uh, before we get out of here and pick the OU game, best team in college football for you right now? It's been kind of a year where not a whole lot of teams have separated. You know, We've seen in years past either Georgia looks really good right off the front, Alabama looks good, and Georgia's looks solid. You got a lot of unbeaten teams still sitting at 4-0, just kind of running down the top 10. You got Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State. That's your top five. And then you got uh, Penn State, Washington, USC, Oregon, Utah with Notre Dame and Alabama right on that outside looking in at 11 and 12 and in D-Mac's opinion, uh, best team so far this season is who?
1: Well, so there's a couple of different approaches. Number one, Georgia's schedule is pitiful. They're in the SEC, but their schedule is pitiful. So they're going to be around at the end. I don't think they're the best team in America this year, but they—they're not going to play anybody with a post. I think Tennessee is the best game they have left on the schedule, and—and and we need hype to figure that out. I think. I think it's Tennessee. Um, a name I'm going to throw out that most people are not probably haven't paid attention to is because they don't watch West Coast football is Washington. Mm. UW, both sides of the ball, dynamic quarterback, dynamic. Two dynamic receivers. It's a quarterback-driven game these days. Uh Penix is a guy who can can come back from victory, can put you away. He doesn't miss throws. He throws guys open and he can beat you with his feet. He's not, he's not totally your dual threat, but he's definitely athletic enough to run if he needs to. Um and then Florida State. I think that game against Clemson's won. well think about it they've already beat Clemson and LSU so they've already beat two teams that are like perennial top 10 teams I know Clemson's went, went on to lose again because quarterback best play, right? Quarter-
0: the best resume is Florida State. But
1: man Florida State's played against some guys who on defense have a ton of NFL talent skill guys you know um, and they've got a quarterback who can beat you all three ways he can throw the ball well enough he can beat you with his legs and he's a, he's a, he's a floor general he's a guy who Not, you know, just waiting for coach to tell him two or three plays. So right now, you know, Georgia has the has the record to kind of get back into that into that playoff position. Uh, I I, I think I think on any given Sunday, you can play with anybody. I watched them against Cal. I watched them against Tulsa. Uh, by the way, Tulsa got some. Tulsa got a little bit of a little work off of them. You know what I'm saying? Tulsa did well, and 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 Cal did too. But they emptied the bench in the third quarter, and Cal started to come back a little. Um, but Florida State, I think those three teams will be there. Michigan, obviously. I just think Michigan's a team where if you spread them out, and you've got like Jimmy and Joe's, that's problematic for them. Ohio State, don't the quarterbacks is killing me. I I just can't, I, you know, I I hate when the national championships are quarterbacks that are managers at the college level. That's trash to me. SC's got fundamental issues
0: defensively. Um,
1: Penn state. I got to watch a little more, you know,
0: I'm going to ask you, they're, they're interesting. Defensively. They're really good. Offensively, uh, their quarterback uh, drew Aller. I think is how you say that last name. He is, he's good. But he's good and like going out there and giving you like a 17 for 31 for two touchdowns and 240 yards. Like he's not oh, going to necessarily beat you. Um, he's not going to get you beat. He's also a huge dude. I want to say he's like 240. Um, wow. He, he's a big kid. A very, he almost body type looks a lot like Blake Bell. Um, he even plays a little bit to some extent like Blake Bell, but that their system sort of works. Uh West Virginia, who is actually shown to have a solid defense this year. Their defense is not bad. Um offensively, they're atrocious, but defensively they're not bad. Um they gave Penn State their their biggest hurdle and Penn State was able to still beat them relatively comfortably. I think uh I think Florida State is the team, you know, these these preseason polls, it goes back to what teams did last season and that's why Georgia hasn't moved. If you were yeah. re-ranking guys today, FSU probably should be number one. But man, I, I kind of agree. I think Washington and Oregon, outside of Penn State on the other side, I, I think they're teams to watch. I think Oregon is a uh, – Bo Nix has gotten a little bit better. Um, his game is yes. – he's just cut down mistakes more than he's necessarily improved the top-end aspect. He was just so mistake-prone, man, and, and he would make mistakes at the worst – possible time so i think he's gotten better in that regard and if ou keeps winning especially if they go out there and beat texas who's unbeaten which you you touched on a good point texas losing to kansas would especially for the the college football playoff even if kansas is really good it's probably not the best thing texas with either of them at one loss it's funny because we had this discussion in our admin chat the other day. If OU and Texas, either of them have one loss, I think. Oh I
1: God, here we go. Here we go. That was a whole thing. <laughs> who was that, Caleb? Who, who was that? Who, who was it? Caleb. Uh, I
0: think Caleb? It was, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was. Oh my gosh, man. It it was it was very interesting. But OU or Texas at one loss and a conference champ gets into the Big Twelve championship. But you want this OU Texas game to be a what could it be potentially, two or three versus eleven? Ten, maybe 10, yeah, ten or eleven. Yeah. yeah. So, so you games. want that? You want that? You don't want Texas fall outside the top ten. So, good segue to that game, dmac coming up this weekend. OU playing Iowa State, six p.m. Who do uh, you see having the biggest impact? And then, what is your um, just player-wise? And what is your score prediction for the game?
1: Give me Chuck on offense. Uh, Listen, man, the receiver group is, you know what I'm saying, we haven't even brought up Gavin in a couple weeks because we've got so much depth out there, and we know that young man's a stud. So uh, I'm just going to say the receivers need to win. That's a beautiful thing we haven't had in a long time, which is the receivers winning 1v1. We can throw the ball up and expect our guys to win, and they've done that. So I want to see Chuck. We need a true alpha. I think we've seen enough of of Barnes and Majors to say they're kind of complimentary guys. I think Tawi is the perfect finisher, like the perfect finisher where he's a guy who when you loosen the defense up, he can bang on them and pick them those third down, second half of the game. I think this, this is a prime opportunity for Chuck to show that he should be the alpha. On defense, I, I'm just going to stay on the Stutz train. Stutz is a guy who has earned my respect. I'm a guy who was questioning whether he had it in him. He's shown that he has a minute, it, has it in him. Um, but him, along with PJ uh, and Bowen, I like those two puppies. I think they're going to be mainstays. If you ask me, the score today, Barry, I, I think we don't score above the 30s, just because their defense is one where they're not going to give you a ton of freebies and. And you really need to loosen them up with the run. Give me 31 to 13. One touchdown, two field goals. We score four touchdowns and one field goal ourselves. Solid win. Not enough to raise eyebrows in the college world, but we're on to 5-0, and headed to Dallas, where I am right now, next mm-hmm. Saturday uh, for the
0: rivalry. Love it, man. Yeah, give me 27-10. Um, I'm going to go player of the game. I think Jaden Gibson's going to, this is going to be his breakout game. I think he is, uh, he's a guy who can go up and get some of those jump balls. You talked about some of those things along the sideline. I think Andrell Anthony coming on as strong as he has is, uh, going to force a little bit of that focus to be there. Um, I I think he is a huge catalyst for this offense down the stretch, but give me Jaden Gibson breakout game. I'm going to even go one step further. I think he gets 100 yards this game. Let's, let's have a little fun. Does with he it. have
1: a 100-yard game yet? Does he have a 100? I don't
0: think he does. does he have 100-yard game he's yet? He's been close. If, you know yeah. what he might have in the Arky State game? It, no, I think it was like 80. I think he had like 80-something. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Give me Jaden Gibson, offensive impact player on defense. I'm going to go P.J. Adebarre. I think he has... He's been drinking from a fire hose in terms of what he's needed to learn, and there's still a lot of stuff. I talked about it on 360 from a technical standpoint that he needs to get get down, but give me PJ Adebayo to have a huge, huge game. I think the defensive ends, as he improves, you get RMT back eventually, uh, Trace Ford and Bothroyd are playing with much more confidence. This is the first, you you said this last year, and then we'll get out of here, that OU was no longer just going to get just get out physical by teams when BV took over. And I think we were just a year too early. I don't think we realized how bad physically Oklahoma had fallen off right and i think now they're in a space where they've had they have that seasoning they have that conditioning and seeing a guy like bothroyd sack the quarterback with one arm while the offensive tackles hanging all over him that is big time stuff and that's stuff that you weren't necessarily seeing before that is and seeing guys make the tackle but not getting pushed back another 3 to 4 yards the 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 back stops right there I think that's awesome stuff. So give me Jaden Gibson, PJ Adubore. I'm gonna go 27 to 7. OU has another game where they hold the team under double digits. I'm gonna go 27-7. Offense kicks a few field goals, um, able to score a few touchdowns. Dylan plays another solid game, and I think we leave this one saying, "Let's get ready for Texas and see see what happens." Um, any parting words, DMac, before we get out of here, man.
1: Appreciate you guys. Uh, it's crazy, man. Got a. Can I talk about the emails we, we, we yeah,
0: received? Yeah, for sure, man. Let's go, man, yeah, I just, man. I just, I just, I
1: just want to say this, guys. I promise you, I don't even look at the data last year. I looked at the data a ton. B and I talked about it. Now I just, I just love doing this because we have a great time. B's great to work with. We've got sponsors coming in asking to do different things with us and 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 uh so i I really appreciate it's because of you guys what you guys do and and how you guys support us i i see people on the internet i get dm'd from people who are asking questions or just showing love and i just want to let you guys know we appreciate you guys Uh, um i'm looking forward now that i'm in town giving back i'm gonna go down to Norman and see if I can get uh, some game day remote stuff happening where like we were, we really had it set up. I just was too far away. So look for us to be doing stuff on game day where well, you guys can just come in and be around and, and and talk. We won't be this Saturday. Okay. And obviously OU Texas will be here in Dallas, but uh, just gratitude of gratitude. You know what I'm saying? Creating a pod out of nothing. You know, uh, shout out to that old site that kind of introduced us together, and and uh, we found out that we were <laughs> like minded individuals. Shout out to them; I appreciate them for creating that platform for us. And shout out to you guys; you guys have been phenomenal. Um, it, it's it's definitely been crazy, and I look forward to. We ain't stopping. I'm just letting you guys know I, I have no plans to stop doing this. I, I'm looking forward to continuing to grow it, and uh, let's go kick some ass Saturday.
0: Yes, sir. Awesome stuff. Likewise, DMac. Uh, it's been an awesome, awesome time. The emails are pretty cool, man. Got some people. <laughs> They see you guys, Sooner Nation. That's what it is. They yeah. see the fans. They see y'all. They 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 know who's listening to the show and who is engaging. And I think we have some of the most engaged, intelligent listeners in this whole OU podcast, college football podcast market. Um, but if you want to stay more engaged. Go check out the, the X, the Twitter, at Barry and Mac, SHW. Follow DMAC at D underscore Mac13. And follow me at B-Wise Fitness at letter B-W-I-S-E Fitness. And make sure that you go to Sooners360.com. Me and DMAC are posting over there exclusively thoughts on the game. Uh, Caleb does a fantastic job. Shout out to Caleb, Matt, Data Kyle, um, Blake, who writes for us, and lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360, who... Every Monday, 9.30 a.m. with me and Chris Mason. Uh, We have a fantastic time talking football over there. But Sooner Nation, thank you all so much for tuning in today. Enjoy the ass whooping OU is going to put on Iowa State this Saturday. We will see you soon.